0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, my good friend, Rob Hollis. How you doing, bud? I'm
1: doing good. How are you?
0: We got a great guest today.
1: We do. Who? We always
0: have great guests. Yeah, but who do we have this week? You guys watch a show called Arrow? It's one of the biggest Never. shows out there. That's huge. It's one of the... You know, this guy has millions of followers. He's a charitable guy. He's uh, he's everywhere. He's What's a really good-looking guy. His name's Stephen Amell. He's a hunk. He's, uh, he's got a huge following. Um, we get really inside of Stephen. And in fact... He was on Unqualified on Anna Ferris's podcast, Yeah, right? they did a live show at a comic. And fan, yes, of course, and they obviously produced this show. And um, guess what? He said the smartest
1: thing that Anna and Sam ever did was bringing you he onto the network.
0: He says the show, he says he, he, uh, he never opens up about his divorce, and he did. I got him to open up about it. But he said it was like, I don't know. It felt natural. And look, we talk about his divorce. We talk about so many things about. Just, just. Get in and listen to this. Yeah, I think you should just listen to this. I think you're going to really dig it. This episode of Inside of You is brought to you by
1: the H Hemp Company.
0: Yeah, this company has saved me. I got to tell you, their their products are the real deal. If you want to relax, feel better naturally, you don't get high at all, so you don't have to worry about that. Because I know there's a lot of products out there, like you know CBD based and all this. But look, you take the H Hemp Company's products; they've been written about in magazines. You feel better. I I use this balm. And uh, Rosen a Rosenbaum. A bomb, Yeah, dude, I put it on my... Because I got neck issue, I got a herniation in my neck. I use it in my... I've had back surgeries. Yeah, and not, I just you feel
1: better, always dude. complaining about being in pain. And ever since you started using this, it seems yeah, like you bitch bit a little less.
0: It's what I've been looking for, brah. Yep. I could take H-Hemp CBD and still function. I can go to hemp.com and I could try it, which you can also do. And if you use Rosie 20, you get 20% off Rosie 20. I know the guys there, too. They're freaking amazing guys. Stephen Amell, folks. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I have a feeling not a lot bothers you. No. <laughs> Is that uh. true? I'm
2: pretty easygoing. I'm very particular, but I'm pretty easygoing.
0: Do you think you've always been easygoing, or do you think that uh, I've been pretty easygoing
2: since I moved out to LA properly in 2010? But the the working on Arrow, and I can pretty much tell you what I'm going to be doing every day, down to the minute. Right.
0: So, so my structure, my, my time has become incredibly valuable. You have purpose every day. You do things that have some kind of purpose in your life. Even if that means doing nothing. Right? But I need to walk You need that. I, I'm becoming a little I'm becoming a little like when I walk into a room I need stuff to be organized. Okay. Do you think this room is organized? This is the uh this is the basement, this is the podcast screening room. For the most part it's pretty organized, right? It's pretty organized. I cleaned up quite a bit before we started though. You had a bunch of shit everywhere. Really? Was it yeah. dirty? Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, last yeah, I had band practice, and then I had an interview for like I did this movie called Urban Legend when I was like twenty six, and mm-hmm. it was a twentieth anniversary. Uh, so they asked if they could come interview me, but so they trashed my place, and then they didn't, you know they didn't really clean. They didn't it. really clean up. So that's why it was a little messy. But uh, thanks, Rob, for you know, taking credit for cleaning my house. You're, you're welcome. At the at the very least,
2: there's some serious organization going on with the DVDs. <laughs> and that's 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 critically
0: important. To How me. many people do you know have DVDs still? Uh, I one. Who's that? My buddy Jeff Brown. He has every DVD, Blu-ray I,
2: slash I, Blu-ray slash Blu-ray. I think that he sold them when he moved to New York. But uh, he would have everything, and I mean everything. Like we would go through his Dude, stuff, and
0: I have laser discs upstairs <laughs> in my bedroom, like Jaws Collector's Edition with the Peter Benchley book. I have Alien. I have, you know. People are like, you know, why don't you just sell these? I'm like, first of all, get ten dollars for this collection. Right. And it's all alphabetized, which is so weird to some people. But why would you want to have a DVD collection and not know where to go find Jaws?
2: That makes perfect sense. No, because I was looking at it, and I'm looking at the TV DVDs up there, and you have Game of Thrones right after Friends, so I recognized immediately that it was alphabetized.
0: That sort of stuff is not But you know what happens <laughs> is sometimes it gets like a little messy, especially when you're talking about TV shows and box sets. So mm-hmm. this side is a little messier than the mm-hmm. other side. Uh, I guess you guys would have to be here to see what we're talking about. No, but why would you sell it? It's art. It is art. You come down here and it kind of adds a little fun to the room, doesn't it? It adds a yep. little bit like, hey, this guy's dated. Do you own a DVD player? Well, sure. Okay. I a, I, well, here's the great thing. I have a Blu-ray player, which is part of my Xbox. So you could play... Right, whatever you want in the in the Xbox. Right, That's do you own right. an Xbox? No. Do you have a PlayStation? I haven't had a gaming system since Super Nintendo. Stephen Amell, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. This is uh, we we just, we always just start. I was coming down from Hermosa. I thought I was going to be late. I was worried. You're a busy guy. Your time's important. And I was like, "Fuck, dude." He said three o'clock, and I keep going. Hey, man, what about three thirty? Like, no, three o'clock's good. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, but I I'm, live right around the corner from you. Where do you live? Without giving the address away, I, I live less than a mile from you. So, this is easy. Yeah.
2: I still drove like an asshole because I have to pick up my wife afterwards. But, uh, but yeah. And I would have, and it's uphill and I would have come in. That's just, a sweat. I would have sweat bad. It, yeah. Are you a sweater? <laughs> I'm a sweater. At, at, not really more so than other people, but I have a tendency to uh, always do a workout or always not give myself enough time to cool down from a workout or a shower or steam before i have to go and do something and i'll just be fully sweating do you think it's
0: important to sweat when you're working out yes what happens when like for me i uh i seem to do the same things you know three times a week i go down i lift a little but i don't really sweat am i am i missing something i think it's just important to sweat i don't know i mean I don't really understand people who don't sweat.
2: I, I'll do like a power yoga class or something like that. Or even today it was at the it was at this gym on the sunset strip and I was doing the same workout as other people and I was dripping with sweat and they're not sweating. But see,
0: you're in wonderful shape. Like I'm looking at you and I'm not looking at you in a sexual, well maybe, but you got a great body, mm-hmm. you know, you're, I never have seen a bad picture of you. I'm sure there are some. No,
2: they exist. Yeah. They
0: exist. But like I look at you and I'm like, I'm sort of envious, and then I'm sort of like, God, man, he's got that's got to suck to always be in shape. It's, is it both? Is it like, yeah, it's, it's both. The only
2: time that it's annoying is that every once in a while on the show, I felt like they haven't put together the proper infrastructure. Like, if it's a priority for you, if you guys want me to be shirtless on the show, then, then why the fuck are there donuts at craft service? Um, If you want me to go work out, build it into my day make my call time eight o'clock but it's eight o'clock in the gym and it's maybe nine thirty in the makeup trailer yeah and i've always so i've i've rebelled against not rebelled but you know i've just every once in a while on the show they'll be like we want you to do this shirtless thing and i'll just go no i mean i didn't know to say no in the early days of things
0: but yeah have you taken enough pictures rob (laughs) i I mean how many clicks can we get (laughs) Jesus Christ, guys, doing a photo shoot. You know, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go to stop taking the goddamn pictures. Hey, Rob and I have a really good relationship. I've noticed on the show, listening to the show. Yeah, you, this is so cool. Like, uh, when, when you get friends, peers, other celebrities that like li- listen to the show, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I love that. The first time that I heard the show was somebody who actually
2: uh covered Smallville, this guy, Craig, who now...
0: Craig from Krypton Sight. Exactly yeah. right.
2: So he now does the equivalent for Green Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and... Such and, a nice guy. Super nice guy. Just, and I, I met, like, a, one of the first times that I met him at Comic-Con, I got to introduce him to John Barrowman, and it was like, he's a, he's a good guy and does good work for the show. Right. But he mentioned the show that you did with uh, Tom Welling. Smallville. Smallville. Yeah. And I had never heard Tom speak or be interviewed or yeah he's a real private guy or anything and as a result of him being private you know he's mythologized to me you know like I, all the stories that i hear about him i'm sure are like these kind of wise tales that exist because the first time that i the first time that i met him be it like his behavior on set or his salary
0: or you, you, know, who, where, are you where are you hearing this shit from
2: i'm hearing it from Crew members in Vancouver who worked on Smallville. Right. We got a
0: ton of people sure. who,
2: you know, and they still wear the shirts from the 200th episode party oh or like God. the rap party or the final season or like we got um, uh, John
0: jd 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 still on there jd is still on oh, there. oh what a great yeah. i remember snorting my nose got some did some coke with jd back in season <laughs> one we he goes yeah but i go dude i want to hang out with you we gotta hang out he's like you sure buddy that's how he talks right like, yeah, yeah okay all right and then we went out one night we snorted i don't know that he doesn't do it anymore but we just got really coked up and uh you know i don't do that anymore either but i'm just being honest and open you didn't know a lot about Tom other than you heard these stories on Tom from the other crew members and like just the these yeah. ideas. The ones that I hear are that he wore shorts all the time, sandals. Sandals. Oh, yeah, because he would get really hot. He's like, what, what are we at? We're a waster. Pants are coming off. <laughs> <up." laughs> and I started doing it. But then I couldn't be in character because Lex Luthor without pants. Sure. I just I had to be somewhat in character. Sure. So me wearing shorts, I couldn't. I couldn't. I do can't it. even change out of dress
2: shoes that are uncomfortable and wear sneakers or something like that even if it's a close-up because you just feel like you're out
0: of character that's right i i I get that and i'm a guy who can jump in and out of character i could be laughing and action to go but when it comes to like what i'm wearing me too yeah so can you do that too are you really kind of serious in 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 the zone no you know what i i try to be whatever the
2: person on set needs me to be if they if they want to laugh and joke and all that stuff that's great uh, David Ramsey, um, you know he and I are always are always goofing around. Same with, same with Emily. But somebody like Paul Blackthorne is is incredibly serious and comes prepared down to the letter of the line, and Jesus,
0: and is a little on the
2: methody side. So
0: I'm all about focus and all. I just don't understand when someone's doing a TV show mm-hmm. every episode, unless it's like a ten episode like Breaking Bad how you could stay method, how you could stay without... To me, that's just so much... That's more energy than letting go.
2: Yeah, and I work based off of the nature of how I have to work in the show, which is that I'm if I'm in there, I'm probably in every scene for the entire day. Jesus and Christ. And I've got a ton of lines, so I learn more the shape of the script and then just roll with the punches, whereas somebody like Paul, they might have episodes where... He's really busy and he might have an episode where he's got two speeches. And so maybe you maybe you hold on to them a little tighter than you would otherwise. I don't know.
0: Do you learn lines the day of or the night before? And do you ever say, "Guys, I'm it's, it's too heavy already. You got to write me maybe one heavy and then the next one's light and then two he- or something." Do you ever like we got to balance this out or you just ro- roll with the punches? No, I read the script 3 times and that's it. Wait, 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 wait. I read that, you memorize lines that fast? I read the script three times
2: because I never know what we're doing on that particular day. It's easier for me to just show up and know when do I start and when do I when do I finish. But I read the script three times and then I've been saying speeches as Oliver for so long that by the time we block the scene and have gone through it a couple of times, I just I know it.
0: That's it. That's That's how you work. You read it three times, and when you get on set, you read the lines with the actor or something. Mm -hmm. But then you got it. Unless it's a big speech. But you don't have big speech. No, even then. Even then? Even then. Because I, I tend to think that
2: sometimes these scripts are written, and I can tell stuff that has been put in the script to satisfy people either at the studio or the network. Right. So... It's not like I'm going to take a speech that's one thing and put it in a completely different direction, but if that speech has 80 words in it, by the time I say it, it tends to have like 55.
0: So they, they let you run with it, like, hey, I'm going to make this my own. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you word. Are they like mm-hmm. word Nazis? Like uh, you got to hit this, na- you yeah. know? Thank God. If that was the case, would that be a different scenario how you prepare? Of course. I'm not changing the direction. We're still starting at point A and
2: finishing at point B. And I'm also very cognizant of, knowing the entire script so that if I have to say something that's a direct callback to something that somebody else said, then I always make sure to do that. But I just right. like to I just like to drill it down just a little bit.
0: And I, I went off on a tangent. So we were talking about you started to listen to the podcast. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing you listened to Tom. I listened to Tom. I mean, I, I didn't even really have any idea what his voice sounded like. Tom Welling. So my co-star, uh, he was Clark on, on Smallville. So you, you didn't, you, all you knew was what you heard. The most popular stories are, as you guys got into the later
2: seasons, Peter Roth would fly up on a on a private jet and ostensibly beg Tom to do another season, and I had to bring this up with him almost immediately.
0: D in, in uh, when in, I, no, no, Detroit, D C. When I DC, the first DC. time I, that I met oh, him in DC, yeah, right, 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 and he just looks at me and he just goes, "No, that never <laughs> happened. That never happened." Well, you know what, Peter Roth, the president of world, he did take me out to dinner. Mm -hmm. a couple of times to try and get me to do a couple extra seasons but at that point i had done seven and i was just it was different i was shaving my head every day i was kind of i i felt like i did it i did it i did six seasons seven seasons seasons. you're in your seventh right going into seven going to seven and for me i was just like you know i want to do comedy i want to do this is like it was was hard for me because i'm always like joking around i always wanted to do more comedy but i remember those dinners and i was like i worked on that network uh, wb which turned into cw mm-hmm. for so many years and i remember i had done so many shows and i probably if you add it up had the most years of anybody i was a veteran for the no cw WB. and i remember we, walked, we got that we were having dinner and it's like so where are you from michael you just want. Why don't we just cut to the chase? You want me to do an extra season or two, and uh, you, you haven't done any research. Why do you – your secretary could have said he's from Indiana? Here's this. Remember this. It's just. I, but he was. He was. He was a nice guy. He was. He was out there. He was a great. He. He is a great. Yeah, he's not dad. Is no.
2: He? He's no. He's he's a great guy. He and, is. He's and, really. And um, you know, is a, he's he's old school. He is you old know? school. That's the way that my manager describes him. He's he's old school. I mean, he even. He and I go to lunch sometimes after after a season just to chat and just sort of the state of affairs. And uh, whenever he's introducing me to someone, he's like, this is one of our stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, it's just, I don't know. It's There's something yeah, there, there is an old Hollywood about it. We about We
0: it. had a really good relationship. I think we, I, it was sort of severed when I renegotiated. So when you were listening to the Tom podcast. Yeah. What did you, what did you get from it? Were you, was it exciting? Was it like, oh my God. I just liked hearing the stories because there's such a similarity
2: between the journeys. Listening to the titular character of a long running comic book show and just his experiences and talking about some of the crew members that are still there or Glenn Winter. Glenn Winter, yeah. You know, went off to direct Supergirl and a bunch of stuff. Great guy, what a nice guy. He basically set the template for our show. He was the director of photography for the pilot. And then he directed the 16th episode of season one and created this transition shots between the either between scenes or for the first five years of the show between the present day and the flashbacks. And, and again, just sort of the movement of the characters and all the different things that he did photographically became the show. Isn't that something? Yeah.
0: And he was the DP on that, right? Did he direct it? He directed it. He directed he, the pilot. No, he. David Nutter directed the pilot. David
2: Nutter directed it. Direct, he directed, the directed pilot. every pilot. He directed everything. One of the things that he said to me when he hired me, because he told me that I had the job several days before I officially had the job, before before I'd been approved by by Warner Brothers and by the CW. And he was like, I found Tom Welling. And I found Jared Jensen. And I and it was just like, you're right. yeah, I'd, Of course. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's amazing the way that like the, the energy and the spirit that he brings to the pilots, but no, Glenn directed the 16th episode and you know, like you're the pilots, one thing, but you have 17 days and however many millions of dollars. And then it becomes something else when you get into the actual production. And it wasn't really until Glenn stepped in, in episode 16,
0: that we kind of knew what we had and how we had to do it. Right. Did you like, did you think this is going to be a hit where you, I mean, we were supposed to never think like that, but did you think it just feels like they're putting some money behind this and this is what the world needs right now and this stuff's working? And it felt like it was going to be a hit. It felt good. I mean, I
2: remember seeing the pilot and showing it to my friends the day that it got picked up
0: and and they blew you. Yeah, your friends every single, every after single that, one of them. I the
2: no, I mean, it starts and they're, they're all excited, but then in the second act, there's this scene where I am being tortured and I murder these, I chase down and murder these three guys. It gets dark. It gets real dark yeah. real fast, and I snap a guy's neck at the end of it. And my cousin Robbie pauses it right when it goes to the commercial and he goes, What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think we're headed in the right direction. Isn't that something? Because yeah. you had done
0: a lot of work, like you were on Hong, right? Yep. You were on, you were always doing series and movie of the weeks, and just like doing a bit of everything. You know, you're yeah. out there, you're hustling and doing your thing, and like, and then boom, this is the big, yeah, the big show, right? I Smallville got, was a big show for me. I got
2: nine jobs before i got arrow moving from moving to la in 2010 beverly hills 90210 beverly hills 90210 right. that was a, that was an incredibly important one because that was the same casting director as Arrow. who was the casting director david Rappaport. he's
0: done all of and they the, called you in they said i want steven amell to come in here for this part i was the first guy who auditioned first guy auditioned. Auditioned. i was the 700th guy oh, who auditioned really? for like they i was <laughs> an afterthought steven no one thought of me. No, that's not true. Kathleen Letterie was always a big. You you need that. You need that champion. You need, you need somebody in your court wherever you are that just like can say, "Hey, I believe in him. He could do it." And I was always doing comedies, right? And you probably were like. I mean, I did
2: a lot of comedy. Hung was a comedy. Right. New girl was a comedy. Um, uh, I did the a show back in Toronto called Rentagoli.
0: That was a comedy. <laughs> right. Um, that you was, play yeah. hockey. Uh, I played hockey growing up, yeah. So you, can you still get on skates and float around? Uh, you should come with me on like a Monday. Night. We could we could rent the ice out. Okay, There's a couple of guys I know, and we could just like get a couple goals and just shoot around, and skate. You should start getting into hockey. That's my sport. I know. And you're a Canadian. You I need know. to. You are a Canadian, right? I Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. And you're a big Maple Leafs fan. I'm a Kings fan, but you're a big Maple Leafs fan. Mm-mm. Not anymore. No, no. What about the old days? Wendell no, Clark, Ty any- no. Domey?
2: Look, I'm 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 born in '81, and the the Leafs had two good years. They in '92 and '93 they made it to the conference finals, and I was in on those playoff runs. And that was that was Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark, yeah. and, and then Matt Sundin came on the team, and I was a fan, kind of right? right. But when I moved to LA, I got season seats for the Kings with my cousin Robbie, and we, you know we had a great year the first year in 2011, and then in 2012 they yep. had a com- utterly mediocre season, and then they just. Ran through the league, right, and won the cup. And I was in the building, and that's transformative. You're a fan. That was it. Whatever.
0: Well, Luke's a real close friend, luke Robitaille, yeah. and he was he was on the show. And it's pretty fascinating, actually, when you're talking to athletes and the same passion they have for you know what we have passion for acting, and mm-hmm. all this stuff, and um his stories and how hard it is. Because being an actor, it's like you know you get you get, you get it's a lot of luck. Yeah. Luck's, a, luck's a commodity of preparation and opportunity, but like. It's hard to get breaks. You could be working or not working. There's millions of great actors out there. Not maybe millions, but a lot. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with hockey. He got drafted, but that didn't mean he made the team. And he had to go, you know, the first uh, camp, he, he they're like, you got to get tougher. Next yeah. time he got tougher, he started a fight, got laid out. They go, stop fighting. <laughs> and she goes, went to another camp. And it was just like, it's everything's hard, but you got to work at it. But um, but I only got Arrow because Hung got canceled. Is that true?
2: Yeah. The third season of Hung did better ratings, from my understanding, than the first couple of seasons of Hung, and it was very well received, critically, but they basically wiped the comedy slate in December of 2011. Were you bummed at the time? Um, yeah, sure. I, mean, I was working on private practice at the time, uh, which was the first job that I ever got as an offer, and was ironically working with... Uh, amy Brenneman, who was my love interest who worked with tom and he was her love that's interest. right and she's like you're going out for this show arrow she's like you're gonna get it i'm like what are you talking about she's like <laughs> she's like tom welling got superman because of me all right you're gonna get the green arrow <laughs> because of me but if it doesn't get canceled i'm not av- i'm just not available i can't right. i can't go do it
0: Inside of you is brought to you by Nutrifol. NutraFall is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about
1: it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism.
0: Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted,
1: Whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrifol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrifol's
0: own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrifol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrifol women's hair growth supplement for six months.
1: While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrifol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy.
0: In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months. And 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes.
1: With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required, free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see
0: visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L com promo code INSIDE. That's nutrifall.com promo code INSIDE. Inside of You is brought to you by NeuroHacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it.
1: You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And
0: Neurohacker Quaestinelltic has a hundred-day money-back guarantee. Ah, oh, I have I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I mm. will tell you that I'm more productive, and uh, I feel like I have uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm more enthusiastic about my life. for up to $100 off, and use code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15%
1: off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase.
0: Do you remember that audition? Do you remember like when you auditioned for Arrow? Like, you know, we we what I call false bravado. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just like you you sometimes, do you ever fake that toughness? Like I'm confident, I'm this, but sometimes inside you're going, oh my God, I'm shitting my pants.
2: I felt very at ease during the audition. I remember every bit of it. So it turns out that Greg Berlanti, who shepherds all of these projects, it was at his office on the WB lot. And he had said to David Rappaport and some of the EPs that were in there, going back to my office, come get me if someone's interesting. And so of course I get in there David Nutter's in there as well. And I read the first two scenes and he's just leaning real far forward in his seat and staring at me with this sort of weird grin on his face. You're he goes, the guy. He said, do you mind waiting outside for a second? I said, okay. And they went to Greg's office and I'm like, Greg, we have the guy. And Greg was like, you guys are just excited. You don't have the fucking guy. It's, you, it's been 10 minutes. And David came back. Was out. this before you read or after you read? This was after I read. After you read. And David uh, came back out in the hallway and grabbed me, and I went back into the room, and all of a sudden there were eleven or twelve more people in there. Did you have I'm, to read again or no? Yeah, and the, oh. and I'm and I'm looking for the note. What do you guys want me to do? I mean, what do you want me to do different? And David said, "Could you uh, start the second scene facing away from us and then turn around?" And I go, "Mm-hmm." Is that it? He so, so he goes. So they are looking he at goes, your goes, ass. He goes, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> And I did it again and again. No notes. Were you having fun? Or are you I, kinda... I was having fun. It was, I mean, it was a very serious scene, but I was, I was, I was having fun, sure. And then they're like, "Okay, thank you," and I left. And I got a call from my agent, or I called my agent. You
1: need
0: to work on your ass, Stephen.
1: Is <laughs> <was your> <laughs> right?
2: And I'm like, I, I know that this is not how this works, but I'm pretty sure that I just got that job in there. And test deal came through within an hour. And then David brought me back a couple of times for my audition with Peter Roth and the rest of the WB team, which is a very unique audition. I don't know how it was for you, but you, you're not, it's not an audition room. You're walking into an office, like an office space with windows and all that stuff. And it's more about the way that he framed it to me was like, imagine that you're walking out on the Tonight Show. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for you to come into the room, be a little bit outsized and stare everyone down and be a, Sell it. and be a leading man. When you walk in there, and I remember walking. Jesus, I never thought of it like that. And and David also said to me, Peter Roth is a hugger, which he is. So he goes, he goes, (laughs) goes, walk in there. He goes, give him a big hug, and I did. And he goes, Stephen, I hear you're Canadian. and I said, Not today, Mister Roth. Not today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the, and the room laughed and i could and david just like looked at me with two thumbs up and like wild eyes He's, so the, i don't think it frankly i don't think it fucking mattered what i did after that like being able to
0: walk it was into like the he room liked and, you you were yeah. likable yeah. you were a leading man do you remember like look you're, you like you said you'd only done nine things which were a lot mm-hmm. you're doing Hong, but you hadn't been a leading man in a series and so the deal as i know this what networks will do what they will do is try to give you as little as possible because they think you haven't been a leading man so we're going to give you whatever and if it's a hit we'll give you more money did you feel like it was uh the deal was you didn't care what the deal was i didn't really care what the deal was if, if they had said
2: you're going to pay us 200 dollars an episode and you didn't did, you, didn't, you didn't year for free your
0: agent lawyers worked the, the deal that they could it was a fair deal i had
2: no quote i'd never been a series regular before I was a series regular on Hung technically, but I wasn't going to be bumped up to a series regular price until the fourth season, if there was a fourth season, which there wasn't. Yeah. But it was a very, very fair deal. I mean, the first thing they did was try to hire me as a Canadian. Oh, that's a
0: no-no. And that was a big no-no. Say, explain what that is. I mean, if you do that, you're getting paid- Less money and you're not getting any residuals. No. Could you imagine it? No residuals at all if you're a Canadian. No, I cannot. And that's what they try- isn't that something?
2: Well, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the, cruel. That's the first conversation that they have, and my agent shut it down immediately. And basically, the, the business affairs person, you know,
0: comes back semi-embarrassed and goes, you know, I gotta ask for I gotta ask. I gotta because ask. if I can save the company money, I'll get more money. That's right. And that's what it is. when did you know your value? You knew that the show was a hit. You go, uh usually it's after season two, you renegotiate. That's when I think we did it. And you're like, you know what? I got to change some things around because you know when you mm-hmm. first dive into a show, you're like, "I'll do whatever." Yeah, of course, force my call, bring me in at whatever hour. I'm malleable. I'm, and then it comes a time where you're like, "No, nah, I got to get sleep better." You guys got to be ready. Like I'm ready with my lines. Mm-hmm. You guys got to be ready on set. Mm-hmm. All these things happen. They sound like they're trivial to people who aren't in the industry, and they'll sound like, "Oh, come on, just it's, it's acting. How hard could it be?" But when you're a leading man, which you are and you're doing 16-hour days. There comes a time you're like, no, you can't force me tomorrow. That happened very early for me. That
2: happened in episode eight. Do you remember You remember exactly? I remember exactly where it was. In the early days, we, we didn't do a lot of reshoots, but they were not happy with a couple elements of episode five. They couldn't figure out how to, how, how to have Oliver interact as the Green Arrow with people that he knew, which it sounds really simple. Give him a fucking voice modulator, but that was like the seventh idea that got kicked around. So we tried a bunch of scenes. Were there they...
0: accents? You're trying to like, hello, fellas? No, <laughs> it was like
2: you know one of the one of the ways they did it when I first started interacting with Laurel is they had us like sixty feet apart from one another, and we were wearing earpieces and whispering and stuff like. That. It, it makes it it makes no sense now, but. <laughs> We had been working six day weeks for a couple of weeks, it's like brutal, yeah, coming in Sundays and doing that, and I'm in the aero costume. I've got the fucking eye makeup on, and it was eleven fifteen at night or whatever. the second assistant director said to me, "Your call time tomorrow is eleven fifteen." And I said, "I'm not done for the day. I can't. Base camp is twenty minutes away. I'm to take my eye makeup off. It's not my turnaround. It's I not want- my turnaround, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm gonna take my turnaround. And he says, contractually, your call time is 11.15. And I don't have to give you any explanation. And I said, okay, I'm gonna tell you this right now and I'm gonna do it in front of people so that everybody knows this. I'm gonna get in the car tomorrow at the exact time that I get in the car tonight and not a minute sooner. And if you had handled this with a little bit more tact, maybe we could have done something, but you didn't. So when everybody asks why we're starting later than everyone wants to, you need to tell them that it's your fault. Wow. And you do get pushed around. But I I recognize my value, I think I think pretty early on. But when you get into that first renegotiation, it's weird because it because it becomes, I mean, it gets personal in a weird way. It does. It does get a little personal. The only issue that I had in the first couple of years was I think that up until the end of the second season, I was the fourth or fifth highest paid cast member because I had no quote. Because I, I had no quote. I had no. But quote. You're the lead. I know, but you know right right it's right just, no, it's just right. The way that it, i
0: think that's the way it was even in smallville i was sure. making more than tom in the first yep. year but then of course yeah things yeah, I remember i had with, no problem with him getting more than me the guy right. was working every day and he was the lead i was the second so they
2: they gave me what, what they term as a gift after season two so it's them raising my salary without asking for anything in return and my thing was very simple i was just i just said you know quite frankly i think that i i, I work way more than everybody else and and especially in season 1 and season 2 it was it was way more disproportionate than it is now and i think that somebody was making x and they're like okay your new salary is going to be x minus like $1250 per episode and i go what are you doing that's not the most amount of money and they said yeah no it's the most amount of money over the course of 23 episodes because the person above you is not all episodes produced
0: i was like okay Jesus. Technically,
2: you're right, but
0: here's what I want. A, that I... leaves a little bit of a shitty taste in my mouth. Just a little. It's it, You know, it's amazing you say this because I don't care where you work, mm-hmm. whether you're working a nine to five, whether you're working at, like I worked at a grocery store, I worked at McDonald's. Did you ever work at McDonald's, Rob? No. <laughs> Did you work at any fast food restaurant or any restaurant? No, I worked at a Great Clips though. A what? Great Clips. What's that? They cut hair. Did you, were you a hair no, guy? Like, I like clean the combs. And you clean the shit up? And work the cashier. I just... That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Steven, pretty you're cool. going to get a kick out of that. And, yeah. a, and a movie theater. As a projectionist. Really? Huh? You knew that. Yeah, I did. I knew that. So, what I'm saying is if your company is doing really well and you're working really hard, it's just common sense. It's like, hey, The company's doing really well. I'm an integral part of that. Uh, I'm a hard worker. I show up every day. I I do what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I I think uh, it's a no-brainer is what the fuck it is. Mm -hmm. To me, if if business is booming... Why wouldn't I want my employees to benefit and be happy to come to work every day and say, Hey, and not try to say, Let's use your Canadian thing. Let's mm-hmm. do it. it's always business as you and they always say you have to separate business from We're actors and we're sensitive and we take everything personally. <laughs> and so it
2: is it is difficult. It's also difficult to argue with Warner Brothers television because they're prolific yeah. and they've been in business forever. We'll replace you. Well, sure. We'll give some I mean, other guy eye makeup. Sure. I, I'm the, the entity of Arrow is bigger than me. It's I am replaceable. You're not Every. replaceable. They're not replacing you.
0: They wouldn't replace you even after a season. They know the charm. They know whatever the reason is successful. It's called Arrow. It's about you. Sure. And so you have to know that value at the same time instead of not being cocky, but you're like, hey, I'm Arrow. Yeah. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna be a dick. I don't wanna ask for too much, but I also wanna get what I deserve.
2: Yeah. When I did my renegotiation, it was it was not the most um fun. Yeah, well, it wasn't fun. It it's actually fun. it actually it actually wasn't fun because I have a lot of I have a lot of friends who have been in similar positions and I knew what the actual numbers were. Right? So
0: when someone's telling you me You knew Tom's number?
2: I yeah, <laughs> I actually did. You did? Yeah. I'm very good friends with, with Jared Padalecki, and he shared information with me that Tom shared with him. And it's and it's everyone Word trying. It's everyone trying to help one another out, right. right? And and I have gone on to share that information with people that I think it might be beneficial to, right? But when you're hearing final offer, I heard final offer, and I went, "That's cool. I'm good with my current deal." And then there was dead silence for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then we were about to shoot our big crossovers that we do that I didn't have a contract for because I hadn't signed
0: a contract now, for them. you started, when you say crossovers, this is you doing Flash. Supergirl, Flash, Legends. Legends. Now, are you doing that during the season? Yeah. Now, are they shooting the scenes where you are? What do you mean? Like, uh, if you're crossover, you're doing a crossover episode, you're doing an episode of Supergirl. Right. But it's just you have a couple scenes in there? It, well, it started out... Oliver
2: and Diggle and Felicity went to Central City, and then Barry and Iris and Cisco came to Star City. And that, and that was it. And it was, that was still difficult, though, because they just treated it like a normal run of production. But the schedules are staggered, and Flash is starting their eighth episode. Well, we're still on our seventh episode, but then they're getting into their ninth episode before we're done our eighth episode. And because the crossovers would happen in the eighth episode. And there was just no wiggle room. Um, it wasn't until this year that they started building in down days to the production. so certain productions would just go dark for a couple of days so that you could actually move the actors around.
0: Jesus. So you're do, so you would you fly to l a and do something and then they fly to you and they're all in Vancouver. It's all in Va- all, all the in shows Vancouver. are in Vancouver they're
2: all in Vancouver. The first year of Supergirl when it was on CBS was in l a. yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then they moved to Vancouver. And
0: how do they do that? They're like, well, I guess whatever your salary is, you get for that show. They have to put it in their budget
2: that's not how they wanted to do things <laughs> they actually to
0: do because I've never heard of anything like that like I was never asked we were the kind of the first show right. before everybody so I would was, there wasn't any crossovering well m- my feeling was the first because the
2: very first time that I did it was going and doing the pilot of the flash and it was one scene it doesn't matter if you're getting one scene you're getting one scene of an established character that I that I am that that I'm used to getting X number of dollars to portray in an episode of television. So, um, so that there was a little bit of animosity, but when it actually came for a proper renegotiation, I decided that I thought it would be advantageous for me to take a slightly lower amount on crossovers because ultimately my financial incentive on the show revolves around my episodic, fee and so i'm only going to be going to do the flasher supergirl for there's only so many hours in the day
1: right maybe right? a
2: day of doing stuff but now amazingly it's just turned into full just turned into full episodes the way that they shoot the crossovers is it hard
0: to keep track is it it's hard? very
2: hard that that's that's four scripts that i have to read three times and and i always take some time during the crossovers to oh
0: my god I'm take a anxiety. second because you're
2: also talking about four different directors too. And one through line of a story. And you know, I always take some time with the directors to just go, okay, okay. Where are we? Uh-huh. Which show? Mm-hmm. That's gonna be hour three. Yep. Okay, what just happened?
0: And just make sure that I know where I am. Holy shit. Yeah. It's hard enough being like I could barely be in one set going, Where are we? Yeah. What are we doing? It's like, we're at the Luther mansion. I mean, yeah, so if you're, God
2: bless. I love going to other sets. The only. It's refreshing, right? Right. Yeah, it really is. The only thing that I would change about the crossovers is that I would, off of the story, I would create one master list of characters and I would give everybody numbers. Right? Like, right. And, and if people don't know what you're talking about on, um, you know, on Arrow, I'm number one and David Ramsey is number two and so on and so forth. But when I go over to Legends, um You're number I'm number I'm number seventy seventy seven, right? right? And <laughs> you know where you, know, you are. And I you know, I would be on Legends and it would be advantageous not just for me, but for the entire crossover as a whole to within the context of that episode, if I have the most to do in the crossover, and I did this year, Treat me like number one, as in prioritize my time and get me out of there so that I can either go to another production or be rested for the following day. Right. But each show prioritizes their own actors, and that's fine. I get it. I just would do it differently.
0: What's your favorite show to crossover on? Favorite group actors? Well. I know that's hard to ask you that. No, Flash
2: is my favorite show to go to because there's something special about doing scenes with with Grant. There's always Grant's such a great guy. Yeah.
0: I mean, we we don't really know each other, but I yeah, I wanted to get him on here cuz he just seems like such a great guy.
2: He's you know what? I just love I love doing scenes with him. I mean, there's just something about the, the that dynamic. Through-
0: yeah. Yeah. Different energies, different yeah. like fun energies. Yeah. You do 22 episodes a year is that right? Still? We do 22 this year. We did 23 for the first 6 years. Plus crossovers. Plus crossovers. So you're looking at 28 Sometimes. 30 episodes something, a year. You you work. Like that. I'm guessing you work. 300 days it seems like out of 365 what is it oh god i wouldn't i don't even know and it's ironic too because
2: when i first moved to la i based success it completely revolved around number of days worked that was my goal in 2011 was to spend 100 days on set and my goal is never that
0: it's how few days I right. can be on set. If, well, if I, got, I worked in an episode and got paid the same for one day, that's a winner.
2: Sure, but I wasn't
0: but but it, <laughs> Rob's it, looking at me like I'm a lazy Well clock. you're a winner
2: when you're you're a winner when you're a series regular and you have an episodic fee. And right. you know, but but when you're
0: not, when you're a guest star, yeah, you get you know sure. you, you get paid. You want to be you you want you, you to be on set. Well they always say, right, the with an actor, it's like I want to work, I just want to work, I want to work, all right, you're hired. When do I have off? Mm-hmm. That's what I really want to <laughs> know. Um <laughs> so I mean you're always working. Here, Tom and I, when we were talking, uh, we were talking about would you could you do this now? He goes, No, I could not do this now. I'm 45. He's Mm -hmm. 40. Like you, you started this when you were 28. I moved to LA when I was 28. I started. I got Arrow when I was 30. All right, 30. Do you think like now that you're getting old? How old are you now? 37. You're 37. Do you think you could have started Arrow right now?
2: I wouldn't take Arrow right now. Why is that? Because my life has changed. I mean, my life you is got in a L- kid? my life yeah, is in well, L.A. I have a do- uh, my daughter's married. Former. Yeah, my life my life is different. I understand. I understand why I'm still doing it, but if it ended, and somebody came to me and said, "All right, we have a we have a lead role for you on a television show," I will go before you tell me anything. Where does it shoot? And if they Vancouver. said if they said Vancouver, I'd go. Okay, but when and how many episodes? And if the number was north of ten, I would say no.
0: If you said ten episodes, it's Netflix. It's Vancouver. Come ten fine. episodes.
2: It starts. Fine. It starts shooting in in right. in June. It's Excellent. Just, Thank you very much. Did you
0: now? How long have you been married? We will be six years this Christmas. Six years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and everything's great. It's great. Is marriage easy? Yeah. It's pretty. It's, it seems pretty easy. We we yeah. Because you were married before. Yeah, and. You know that was for a few years. That sucked. Now, why did it suck? (laughs) Because look, here's here's my. I think I'm. I don't want to say I'm a pessimist. I'm not, Mm -hmm. but I will say that you know I have this friend Shira, and she's like, I just don't understand this dating thing. Let me tell you something. Ninety nine percent of the time, it doesn't work out, and the one time it does, yeah, fifty percent don't. So you have a 0.5 chance of. And I know it sounds bad, but I'm like, you can't put so much pressure on yourself. And so you're a young guy, you get married. You got to think in the back of your head, like, I want this to be forever, but how many things are forever? I mean, we
2: got married for the wrong reasons, and I don't have any animosity over the situation anymore, but this was a girl that I met in Toronto when I was 21, 22, and we got engaged when I was 25 or something like that. Jesus, man. And then got married when when I was 26, and we went through really interesting experiences where, A... I just think that we got married for the wrong reasons. I, what were those reasons? I don't really know. Just because of maybe just, the idea of it? it? Just the idea. Just kind of the 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 the, the romance Old school of it all.
0: And, yeah. Right.
2: And then I started struggling with acting. And she started realizing how much she loved business. Right? I personally think that a lot of the early part of our relationship was her wanting to date someone that her father would disapprove of because he was so business centric and then over the course of our relationship she i think realized a how much she was like her father and b how much she admired him and so he passed away tragically in 2009 Ugh. and that put our troubles in a fucking microwave and a lot of the things that she Found attractive in me, she didn't find attractive anymore. And uh, did that break your heart? It totally you? broke my heart. It it really did. It was the worst thing that's ever happened to me because you know I went to L. A. in two thousand and nine, and I came back, and I I will never forget. I came back, and you know I had no money, and I mean no money at all. Like I was living off of twenty five bucks a week that I could stretch at Ralph's. To you know, get mac and cheese and all that you know, all that shit. And uh, I came back, and I'll never forget going back into our apartment, and uh, all of my stuff that I would left there had been shoved in a fucking drawer that it was too big for. Like all my stuff, and just like hastily shoved. And I remember going, "Oh man, like you didn't want any reminder of me around the house." And then it just, it ended real fast after that.
0: I mean, did, did you feel like if you look back and, you know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. do you feel like you were doing everything you could?
2: No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm equally to blame for sure. You know, I was, I was involved in acting because I wanted to be famous and that pays that, that will, you'll never get there. Right. You know, some people might
0: right but yeah. but if that's what you're doing it for it's yeah first of all it's not healthy and i think we've all done it. anybody who says they haven't thought that when you're 18 or 19 or 20 you're starting sure. out going i want to be famous i want to fucking be a big movie i want to work with denzel there's everyone goes through that but then you have to go through like do i really love what i'm doing yeah do i really where's the passion what's the purpose yeah you know
2: so it was it was after um <laughs> man i got back in like early december and we were we were separated and you know like just done within like six days you know that numbness right yeah
0: that numbness that won't go away that you're like talking to somebody going i need to lie down i think i'm really tired yeah it's depression it's like uh it's like a crush. like i was it's just numbing yeah. like you're like something you died she had moved out and was staying at her dad's house
2: and i went over there and on a friday night and basically begged begged her I was like, I'll do whatever you want. I'll stop acting. I'll I'll, you know, I'll do whatever you want. Oh my God. Please take me back. And she just looked at me and she just goes, No. Just cold, uh, flat. I want to fucking cry cold, right now. Dude. I'm flat, not even kidding no. her. Around. I
0: want to fucking cry. That's <laughs> and I had
2: and I'd given her I'd given her a her wedding ring was a family heirloom. And I just looked at her and I go, All right, okay. Give it back. And she gave me the wedding ring back that night. And then I walked home. And I remember going and I had to teach a fucking spin class the following morning. <laughs> oh my to segue. God. And um faster, you fuckers. <laughs> and then I remember seeing my mom and I I saw my mom. She goes, How are you? And I go, Bad, it's over. It's totally done. Like a fifth grade relationship. It's done. And did you cry in front of your mom? Hard, wept like the like the you can't catch your breath crying. But after that cry, we walked back to my apartment, and I phoned up two of my buddies that had really been uh, marginalized because my ex didn't particularly like them or didn't like one of them, and it affected my relationship with him. And my other buddy was getting married the following weekend, and both me and my ex were in the wedding parties. So I needed to talk with him as well. And by the end of that night, I felt like I was I you felt again. Like Part I was, of you was back. Yeah. Yeah. It still took a while though. It took about it took about a year and a half for me to go for a run and not when the endorphins started firing in my brain, get really fucking
0: pissed off that the whole thing happened. Like really really mad. Yeah. Do do you have like I mean, you seem like a pretty even-keeled guy did you ever suffer from any kind of depression or anxiety did you ever get any of that did it carry on through like when you as an actor with the hard times and um, i think
2: i was depressed towards the end of towards the end of our marriage in 2009 because i gained about 10 15 pounds
0: and you didn't give a shit
2: it wasn't that it was just like there was something not working with my body you know what I mean? Like my metabolism, like I was stuck. Like I was like emotionally and mentally and spiritually constipated. It's scary. And it? probably constipated probably, as well, probably. you know? I always feel And I well. know this because by that Monday, after us breaking up on a Friday, despite the fact that I was meeting all my buddies and going out for a Canadian beer, I swear to God, I lost those 12 pounds. They were gone. They shed immediately. Like it was like, a weight had been lifted which it was self-inflicted it had nothing to do with her yeah um yeah just not innocent in the in the uh in the process but it just it just went away just How like you that.
0: feel like your uh libido kind of disappears too it totally disappears. it's like almost like when you go through a breakup i you could put uh a 25 year old cindy crawford for me and i'm like yeah, listen man i Cindy, I don't know, your skin's gorgeous, and all. I'll buy some skin products, but uh, what am I, Wilford Brimley right now, uh, Quaker Oats. Uh, but, you know, I, that's how it is, man. Yeah. I, I feel like I just I, I, I
2: just feel so empty. and. Yeah, I remember going going out a couple of nights later, and again, it was like this tour that I went on to see buddies that I hadn't really spent a lot of time with. And you can, you know, your friends can also tell when you phone them up and you say, I don't care what the fuck you're doing, we have to go out and get a beer. And they're like, okay, Um and I remember a, a girl like left a note for me with her number on it. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm back.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. It. It's like the Rocky story. Yeah. You got, this is going to go away. Mm-hmm. So let's get rid of this as soon as we can and stop fucking around. Like you have so much going for you, whatever that is get up in the morning change your routine go for a beer with your buddies go whatever hang out with rob you know hang out with a 29 year old you know it's like this is this is the kind of shit (laughs) that i mean because life life is it sounds so cliche it's it's fucking short dude yeah just passes it goes by so fucking fast yeah and you look at this stuff and then you found your wife relatively what a couple years later yeah
2: we met in october of 2011 so two years later two years later well Well, where'd you meet her less than two years she is on she guest starred on my favorite episode of television ever,
0: Sanford and Son, the That's episode right. where uh, they steal from. No, what is yeah.
2: it? Yeah, no, it's the, it's the season four finale of Mad Men. It's called Tomorrowland, and she plays this girl that comes into the office and is so striking that it, she basically arrests the office. But you didn't meet her there, <clears throat> you weren't on Mad Men. I re watch my favorite television shows all the time, I find it therapeutic. I find it uh, important as an actor to having seen something. Focus on different things, be it an individual performance or photography or whatever. But I was rewatching it and I paused it and I go, okay, who the fuck is this person? I went on IMDb and I looked around. Of course, yeah. And- There's nothing
0: wrong with that. That might as well be a dating app. If you see somebody pretty, people think, I don't know. I asked my friend, is that creepy? If like you know, we met, or I, or I see her, I'm like, hey, what's up with that? Oh, look at that. she's single. I wonder who. If anybody knows her? She seems like my type. Yeah, that's not creepy, is it, Rob? No. Well, you said that with a little bit of uh, reservation. No. I mean, look, it's so hard to date in this fucking town. Yep. So, I mean, I think it's okay, whatever, as long as it's not crazy. You meet somebody, hey, what's your last name? Oh, cool. We had a good time here. I'm not going to ask you for your number because that's too soon, but you know what? Maybe I'll look you up on Facebook. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah.
2: No, I, I, so I looked her up and then, and then you get her name, you Google her, you find her Twitter. She's in LA, not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And she put out a tweet advertising that she was going to be at, um, some event that Adidas was putting on at the Sayers Club in Hollywood. Uh, you went. I was going. You were already going. I was already going. I have no reason to lie. I was already going. Were you? It was like you had to look as good as you could. Not really. No. Just I. I was just. I was going to the event. But you wanted to meet her. I wanted to meet her, and I was going to the event with my buddy Johnny, and um, she worked for AEG, so did w- some work with Sayers and and stuff like that at the time, and uh, just. Saw her, introduced myself, and said I thought you were great on Mad Men, and then walked away. And she gave me her number.
0: After you walked away,
2: hey, hey Steven! Yeah, later in the night she gave me her number.
0: And when was the first date after that night? Maybe about a
2: well, I think I had her and a couple of her girlfriends swing by my place for football that Sunday. Uh, like so, three days later, and then I think I took her out for dinner that week. And then we had, you know, a whirlwind romance that was fantastic. And then that February I got cast in Arrow and it got, it got rocky for a little bit. Cause it's like, okay. Um, everything's changed. Everything's now. about to you're change. You're going to Vancouver. I'm you're going filming to, every day. Cause say nothing of the fact that I'm going to Vancouver. Yeah. And so what are we doing? Yeah. You know? And you didn't know. We didn't know. So it so it was kind of you know on again off again, and uh, and then everything just
0: crystallized in you in, kept going back for a reason like yeah. i just there's something about her that's unlike anyone else yeah and that's also a, a danger zone i think too it's like that could be a great story which it is and you got married and everything's yeah. been great but there's also that where you go back because you think of like the passion you think about the love you think about the fun but you forget about the fucking banana that's times right. she's the bananas so times as long as those aren't too strong but she's
2: so easygoing michael that you mentioned anxiety earlier. She's so easygoing that it gives me anxiety because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that anybody can be that relaxed. Do you envy right? that? Do you envy her relaxation? I do you? envy it. That's one of the things that I get fucking anxiety about is I envy it. And and my friends joke with me that I have horrible cases of FOMO and uh, I do. And she's just super easygoing. And since i become a dad, I, I do, I battle with anxiety every. Every once in a while. Now, what happens when you get anxiety? I was doing a ropes course in um, Marea, which is in French Polynesia over the Christmas break this year. We always go away for Christmas break because it's within the context of the show. It's my guaranteed holiday time. So go somewhere warm. And I'm up on this ropes course and it's a ropes course in French Polynesia. It, you get like a two second tutorial and then they just pop you up there. And I was 40 feet in the air having to cross this fucking Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom bridge. And my wife and my buddy had, had gone on ahead and I'm up there. And I, I was just like, what? What am I doing up here? What the fuck am I doing up here i am a husband and a father and by the seventh time a crew member says be careful you're my mortgage you actually realize they actually mean that they mean that and so i'm up here and i'm going oh my god i have hundreds of people who rely on me why am i 40 feet in the air on a shitty ropes course in french polynesia and at that point i i I couldn't breathe. Like I felt like I, wow. I felt like I was having a heart attack and I had an immediate flop sweat. So I feel like there's this Fire, giant kind of giant weight on my chest, but I also couldn't stop my hands from shaking. And I had to wait up there for a guy to basically manually take me through the rest of the ropes course because I was and it was like zip lines because I was as far away as you could get before you could get back and get off. And this is unbeknownst to your wife or That's right. She has no she's ahead of you. She has no idea. She has no idea. I have no problem with heights or didn't have problems with heights. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to have problems with heights. And I got back. And again, I'm drenched in sweat. And wouldn't you know it, uh, Arrow is one of the most popular shows in Morea. Like 85% 85 of the people on that island knew me didn't matter age gender wow whatever they they knew me overwhelming right now and i and i'm now around a bunch of people who are about to do a ropes course and people kept coming up and asking for photos and i'm just sitting there like hand shaking just can't get my can't get a grip and and that i was having a panic attack
0: when your wife came over did you kind of cry and let go or she was
2: just like are you are you okay? And I was like, I just need to get out of here
0: right now. Do I you can't. feel like, did that ever happen again? Because I, I feel like when I had my first anxiety attack, I kept thinking, when's this going to happen again? Mm-hmm. When is this going to happen again? And then sure enough, out of the blue, it happens. Um, or is it just a heights thing? Is it just one of those moments that just happened? It was coincidence. I don't, I don't know. No, ha- I, I, some, 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 sometimes it happens. You know, I, I think sometimes I give,
2: too much of myself to you know fans and I you know I sort of I sort of give people too much of a a window into me and every once in a while somebody will write something that I find deeply hurtful and I can't shut off my ability to give a fuck about it even if this person is totally wrong even if all that they're saying is is just just an outward projection of them feeling completely inadequate about their life, it really affects me. And I think the I think I let they it wanna I, help them? Yeah, I no, but I think I let it affect me because it motivates me to when someone writes something positive to, to give them that positivity back. I don't think that I can take in the positive and do something effective with it. Unless I'm also willing to let the negative affect me a little bit, yeah. and so something like this will happen, and it will ju- it will
0: consume me. So you have to learn how to disconnect a little more, yeah, if possible, yeah. And that's a good quality to have. Mm-hmm. Caring so much about your fans, and if I mean I know a lot of people who don't read their letters, who don't read their tweets, who don't. Sure. Read- and you have so many millions of followers that how could you read everything? Yeah. You post something, you can't read ten thousand comments, but you'll read a couple or you'll read whatever because that can be consuming. And you know, I've I, it's easier for me. I don't have millions, but right, uh, but I definitely feel like it's not. I'm not obligated, but. I feel as a human being, like for me, it's happened before where somebody says, I wanted to come see you at the show, and now something happened to my grandfather, and I'm a mess and this, and uh, and, I, and I followed her on Twitter, and it said, follow me, and then she direct messaged me, I go, what's your address, what's your, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll do those things, or I'll call somebody, or I'll, because I feel like I, if I could do anything to help someone feel better, that's right. that's purposeful, that's, I mean, I feel like that's, I feel good. Yeah. It makes me feel good to make them feel good. Then so that's fine. But if you overdo it and that consumes you, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, you have a family you have to take care of. You have uh, work that you have to do 10 to 11 months a year. You have all right. these things. So hey. well, I can understand that. That's, that's. Well, I mean, but people
2: also say that they want the genuine article, right? People are like, we like you because you. St- it looks like you're presenting a, a reasonable facsimile of what you actually are in real life, right? Yeah. They like it until you make a joke and then somebody takes it way too seriously. And then you recognize that person because you've seen them write like personal attacks at your wife or whatever, because I look at stuff online Jesus. and you just go, you know what? You're an idiot.
0: You're an so idiot. So you'll respond. You'll say, Hey, by the way, blah, 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 fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. There's I don't think there's anything wrong with telling an occasional person to fuck. And off. man, Oh man, that a shit storm. That, it's a shit storm. Do you ever regret it? Like, why did I say something?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? But, but here's the thing. A couple of years ago, Remember, there was like an instance where a kid brought a, a a homemade clock into a school in Texas, and teachers were like, "It it's ticking," and like it, people it was like an Indian kid, and they thought he was building a bomb. Yeah, they thought he was building a bomb. And <sighs> man, oh man, like these teachers, I'm sorry, but they did they did the right thing. Like they did the right thing, in my opinion, and they followed protocol and fine. And it's not a bomb. And I I get I get all of the public support in the aftermath of that for that for that student. Well-deserved. And I'm sorry that the whole thing happened. As a parent, I would want the teachers to do what they did, right? And if they're wrong and if they're reprimanded because they didn't follow protocol, then they deserve what they got. Yeah. But what I didn't enjoy was my wife, who is from Texas, she, or I wrote on Twitter, I'm like, you know, stereotyping Texas isn't really any better than stereotyping this kid. The kind of the same, the kind of the same thing, and uh, man, oh man, that that went really, that went really poorly. Just, what I notice about these things is that they devolve away from the original
0: point. Always, that's right? why it's hard to. There's a lot of times when you look, I feel like you are someone that it's obvious that you say what you want to fucking say, sure, and you're going to hear it, you're going to get backlash, and you're going to say it. Sure. And ninety percent of the time, people are going to love it. He's great. I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But The other part. You're going to get fucking those people that come out yeah. of the woodwork and they'll call me a Jew bastard or they'll do whatever. And, you
2: know, that's that that's that's fine, too. But, but you're saying, like, did you regret saying it? No, I regretted it in this situation that it devolved into someone leaving a link to, like, a 20-minute video that they put on YouTube about how I didn't understand, couldn't possibly understand what it was like to live as a minority in the united states or in canada or frankly anywhere because of who i am and what i do and the color of my skin and this and it was so far away from the original point it's not what you were saying at all it's not what i was saying at all i admire that person's courage to put themselves out there in a public forum and i have no ill will towards them but i i apologized and i regret apologizing more than i regret saying it in the first place because
0: i was apologizing for something that that wasn't true in your mind you're like i didn't i'm not racist i'm not uh profiling i'm not no, discriminating. No. I'm just saying. I thought that if I don't care who in your head, if yeah. it's a white kid who had something that was ticking, doesn't matter. Get it? I don't care who it is. It doesn't matter. And it's just taken completely out of context. And I think that's like nowadays. It's like sometimes I feel like tweeting because I read something. And I said, take a step back. No, yeah. you're not tweeting anything. You're not getting involved in this. You don't need your opinion. Doesn't mean anything. They're not going to give a shit if like Michael Rosenbaum wants to say something about that. Uh, you know, I almost regretted saying something about the new Star Wars movie, but I said it anyway in a small little tweet. But, mm-hmm. Uh. By the way, you, you like the last? You like solo? I Haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the. The I've last seen the Jedi. I've seen the Force Awakens. Force Awakens. I thought that was pretty good. I thought J.J. Abrams did a good job. Yeah, about. I haven't seen the. The I haven't seen yeah. a lot. You haven't seen a lot. You don't watch a lot of movies. Mm-mm. What kind of movies? You a horror movie fan? I like horror movies. Did you see Hereditary? Mm-mm. I haven't seen that. I watch. You know,
2: my wife and I have our shows that we watch, and I have my shows that I watch, but. Not not getting to the
0: movie theater a ton. Yeah, you probably don't have a lot of time. Mm-mm. What are you going to do after uh Arrow? What would you like to do? A lot of times you're you know, I, I said I'm taking a break. Would you want mm-hmm. would you like to take a year off? No. You want to go right back into work? I want to Yeah, one of the issues
2: that I have one of the issues that I have with with the show and it's just the it's the it's the nature of the show. It's not a, it's not a new thing is that I don't really have the ability right now to be aspirational elsewhere because of how many episodes it is. And so, you know, I worry sometimes about being the guy that people will think has only ever done Arrow. And I worry that, you know, if I stay on the show until, if I stay on the show through 10 seasons, and I respect people that do that. I have great admiration for Tom staying for 10 years or for Jensen and Jared, you know, going into year 13 or fourteen or, 15 14, yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. I also have respect for you going, you know what, I did seven and I'm good. And I was just, it, yeah. it's and it's time to it's time to move on. I worry that if I stick around until I'm forty, is there a chance that I sacrifice the next twenty-five years of my career because I maybe stayed a little too long?
0: Well, I think you know, it's look, I would say my gut is if you're doing seven seasons and you do ten, You're a good-looking, talented guy. I don't think another three years making a lot of money and your family being secure for the rest of their lives and not ever have to worry about anything. And now you're what? You'd be forty. Forty. You're you're going to be. It's a new chapter of your life, and you can make decisions. And and by the way, is it such a bad thing to say, "Hey, I don't have to work anymore"? If I'm not doing what I want, or maybe produce your own shit, or Mm -hmm. hire some good writer to write a great script, or buy something and have it made. There's so many opportunities that I wouldn't look at it like that. I would look at it like I looked at it. Mm-hmm. I looked at it like I can't do anything else. This is seven years of this character, and I have done everything I can for this character. I can't do anymore. I'm not evolving, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm a comedian. I feel like I want to be funny. Yeah. I want to do things different. I want to go direct. I want to do all these things. And could I have three more years? Yeah, I just to me, it wasn't about anything other than I did it. I'm ready to move on. Did you ever go back? I went back for the series finale. Good. And that's because I wanted to do it for the fans. I didn't want them to one day say, why didn't you go back? I want to go. And I wanted to see everybody. It was the last episode. How could you not have Lex Luthor in the final episode of Smaller? So, of course, I did it. And I I think that was the best decision of my life. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's important to just not think about, well, what's going to happen to my career? I don't think there's a big difference what's happening in your career, 37 to 40. You're not going to look that much different. You're a young-looking guy. It's a matter of like, it gets to a point where you're like, okay. How tired are you? If you're fucking really tired and you're just like, I just, I just got to do something else, and it's just like you, the passion isn't there, and you're like, and th- that's different. The passion is
2: still there, a hundred percent. And and we have a lot of new blood on the show right now, which I think, I think is important. But uh, you bring up a good point. This is what I have been thinking about. What else does my character have to do? Like what, what else? It, what, Die. That's the only thing left for him to do. Can the arrow die? Sure, he doesn't have superpowers. But I mean, could I think the only thing whether he dies or not, and I find it incredibly difficult to believe that that would ever that would ever happen. You know what I mean? I don't know that I don't know that anyone would allow themselves to be cornered by like killing the title character. Of the I show. honestly
0: think that would be a great idea. I mean, I think it would be a great. I think if, <laughs> I'm going to get so much heat. No, all I'm saying is this. If, let's say before I, I'm going to let you finish. But my, my I'm thinking, what if at the last episode of Arrow, whatever that is. Arrow does die. Mm-hmm. But then something else can happen. We realize in another show or whatever that he wasn't dead. It doesn't matter.
2: The only thing that is left for him to do, and he doesn't have to die to do this, is he needs to leave a legacy because we have all these other shows that exist. So whether Arrow continued on in the absence of Oliver Queen or someone else took up the mantle of the Green Arrow, um, you know, <gasps> he has his a child. Could little sure. arrow also called Laro? He does have a child, but his, he's, uh, but okay. he's like twelve on the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 he's twelve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe a little girl who's going to be the future of who knows.
2: But but I think that I think leaving a legacy is the one box that is left
0: to tick for the character. Well, that's either something you got to think of if you don't do three more years. Have you? Re- are you doing? Or what What are you doing? You're doing se- season seven. And My that... contract's up after seven, so it's so. It's... So you got to make some decisions here. I think there's going to be some clarity on my future on the show soon. Maybe there's something they could do where it's like, hey, I'm not going to give you another three years or two years what you want, but you say, hey, let's do a year-by-year year thing. If I do seven, let's talk about eight. Now there's not going, oh my God, I got two more years of this or three more years. No, actually,
2: I think that um, it was a very interesting feeling once we were picked up for season seven. Because all of a sudden, I saw the finish line. Even if it's many, many years from now, that will be up to me and not up to the studio who has had me under contract willingly. I signed it. Right. I have no regrets that I signed sure. it. But every year, it's like, we're going to pick up another season. You have to come back, right? Season eight would not be that. So we're talking about it.
0: I like it. What would you like to say to all the fans out there who have been supporting you? I mean, you got one of the biggest fan bases I've ever seen a show like this. It's, it's just extraordinary. It's extraordinary, man. It's it's incredible.
2: And all all the people that I've met, the people that, you know, have been along for the entire ride, um John Barrowman during the first season said, you know, you think that your show is the most popular when it's out and when it's on all the billboards and when it's, you know, in the public consciousness, but that's not true at all. It becomes more popular year over year because you get people who you know, spend the better part of a decade with you in their living room. Yeah. And you become like family.
0: And then reintroduce it to uh
2: it, Yeah. To other you know, yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, I I or like or like the you know the kid that says to his mom, you know, I turned my mom onto the show and my mom and like I went back to the beginning and my mom and I sat there and binge watched six seasons on Netflix. And it's really extraordinary. People are um people are so kind and so thoughtful and um, I'm just so lucky to be involved in something that has been so captivating for so many people. And the stuff that they've shared with me is, um, I mean, it's life-changing man. And man, and boy, oh boy, I'm sure you know this. It's one thing in Canada and the United States, it's an entirely different thing when you go to like, I mean, I was just in the, in the Maldives Jesus, and it was like every everybody knew the show Sierra.
0: everybody knew the show i was in istanbul everybody yeah, tom knew and i the are show. going to paris in october to everybody yeah, we're going knows to paris the, yeah. we're going to you know we were just in australia you were in yep. australia it's like couldn't it's move extraordinary on, how lucky are we it's a fucking not, lucky thing. couldn't move on the streets of sicily
2: couldn't move it was just like everywhere incredible. i went incredible it's incredible it's it's more than i ever could have asked for so if you know if people are listening to us talking right now and it and it sounds like we aren't we aren't grateful i am in, oh. i am i'm internally eternally grateful for this opportunity it is it i could go on to do things that people think are way more significant or a bigger profile or the movies or whatever the case may be Arrow will always be the most important thing that has ever happened to me professionally
0: ever i and i think it's the same thing with smallville i think you know uh, incredibly fortunate and Mm -hmm. you know but i think the most important thing probably is the whole fuck cancer movement and what you did for that and you're heavily involved Mm -hmm. in charities Mm -hmm. which it's easy to be it's not easy to become famous but it's easy to you know you go out there and be an actor and enjoy all the benefits all this shit. but you do a lot of charity work you do a lot i mean i think that means a lot
2: to you it does it's you know my mom's a two time cancer survivor, and it's all happened very um it's all happened very very organically you know the the fuck cancer campaign are the things that people think about and, and it's sort of what comes up if you're if you're looking into any philanthropic things that I've done, but I love the campaigns that like there was a young girl Sophie who was an, is battling a brain tumor. And, you know, we just took a simple GoFundMe page and I was like, look, I'm going to sign a couple of things, but um, we'll organize a draw. I'll have her, her mom organize a draw, but you know, just consult, just go on and give two bucks. But like five bucks gets you a ticket and you just get in the draw whatever. We raised like, I don't know, like a hundred and some thousand dollars, just, just, just people giving five bucks at a time, 10 bucks at a time. You know, some people will come on, they give you $150 and it's just like to see the, to see how kind people are. It's one of the reasons when I see someone just being so violently negative over nothing that I just want to go, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't. It's hard. I, I, it's I hard don't, to... I don't believe the the indignation. I don't believe it. So anyway, not to steer it back to the, no, but no, I love I love doing charity work. Uh, it feels great. As long as it's something that I, whatever I do, it has to be something that I'm passionate about. Right. Right. Like I got offered an endorsement deal for
0: a fast food restaurant. And I just, I don't care. And they're throwing millions at you.
2: No, right no, no. It was but like still a lot no. of money. Yeah.
0: And you're like, it's not, this is killing people. I'm not yeah. going I'm not going to help you out. Yeah. I'd rather have fuck cancer t-shirts or right. hats and sell 60,000 of them. Sure. And, you know, make, help people then talk about then talk about <laughs> talk about breakfast all day and healthy options at McDonald's. You're a pretty open guy, I got to tell you. I, I didn't know. Where do we meet? The first time we met was game 1 of the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals. That was right. That was uh my Rangers. Yeah, and we lost and my Kings and you rubbed it in my face. Mhm. Yeah. And I remember Luke got me, helped me get tickets and uh, he said you can't wear anything Rangers and I had a satin Rangers jacket and a mullet. <laughs> and I look like one of the Hanson brothers from Slap Shot and he goes, "You're a fucking idiot." And I go, yeah, I was. But yeah. we lost that game. I was really upset. And the Rangers, I don't know if they'll ever win again. Stanley Cup. Yeah, I was in. I was filming Turtles in New York when
2: they made a run to the... Yeah, who did you was, play? The voice of... Uh... No, 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 no. I was, no, Casey, the, I was Casey, oh, yeah, Casey Jones. Casey, Casey Jones, Jones, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Was that awesome? That was incredible. That that I think that that filming experience and filming in New York was one of, if not the most important things that I've been through as an actor. Because I used to be... Um, yeah it, i used to be very very particular in terms of like i need silence on set i can't have people walking around i can't really? hear i, I can't hear a cell phone buzz like i can't you're one of those guys I was one you of those guys. christian
0: bale shut the fuck up rob
2: yeah and i would have i would have taken myself way too seriously you know because again like i'm in my early 30s but it, i'm like arrow just probably had an outsized importance you know what i mean but then I went and worked in New York where people are yelling at you during the take. Okay. Like, hey, you gotta learn around. how to deal with this. The crew doesn't it's not that the crew's not professional,
0: but they're also a New York crew and they don't give a shit. And you had so you changed your perspective on it. It just you, nothing bothers me Nothing anymore. bothers nothing you anymore. So you could be on set and all of a sudden you're a different person. You don't need people to shut up. You don't know. I mean, look, it still happens every once in every you're like, a while. Like, all right, come on.
2: But every but every yeah, every once in a while is different
0: than like I wanted to institute a policy where people couldn't have cell phones on set. It's yeah. Just a true story. You were a set Nazi, a little bit. So are you saying you were a little bit of a dick? Ah, uh, because you're such a nice guy with all these great things and the charitable. Way. You could be a dick as long I, as you evolve. I think in the early days,
2: I think relative to now, I was probably a bit of a dick. And now I want to I want to specify that doesn't mean treating that's cool. that doesn't mean treating anyone with disrespect. Like far from that, not 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 in the slightest. It's just like we're here to do a job, right? I've asked crew members um all the time I'm like, you know you guys want to break for 15 minutes and and sing a song or do you wanna do you want the day to be as efficient and quick as possible so that everyone can get back home to their families and everyone always says the latter it's always the latter yeah right they so we get home so our set is a little bit more efficient and maybe a little bit less, kumbaya than some other sets in vancouver and i think that every once in a while that gives me the reputation of being a little prickly and it's like well okay fine i also am completely aware that i can't control the perception of people that people have of me because because i you hear about welling right And, and and his behavior and then you meet him and he couldn't possibly be a nicer guy and it's like, okay, yeah, definitely all
0: the stuff that I heard was bullshit. I don't so, even know the stuff, the bad stuff. No, I mean, I, that, we it's, never it's, had a fight, But yes, but you hear not, people always talk shit. People, will, yeah. I'm sure, are going to say, hey, that Rosenbaum, he's an asshole. Mostly yeah. Rob here. Yeah. The yeah. worst. You're always, <laughs> you know, there's, some singer once said, let's give him something to talk about. I don't think that's the right attitude.
2: No, but I think, <laughs> but I'm, I, I think, I think that there are, I think like literally within a crew, right, like there, there are, there, there are workers who are confident and easygoing and. You know, I think that I think that on the whole, I think that that the the crew is incredibly loyal to me because I, you know, six years I've never
0: I've never missed a day of work. I've been late once. You know how much they respect that when you show up, know your lines, and hit your mark, that's it. and they don't have to wait for you. A lot that's of it. actors they don't. It's being a professional, and when they show up, it's the same thing. They like, oh, this guy's always on time. He knows his shit. We're mm-hmm. gonna go home. I'm not. He's not gonna be the one that's holding us back today.
2: But I also think that there are there are crew members that will attempt to intimidate their subordinates by making me seem like I'm more difficult than I am. So that, you know, if they tell them that they can't talk to me, it allows them to exert control over mm. the person in their department. So a bad rap, I think so. I think that happens. Right. And that's, again, it's, it's fine. It's it's, par, also, it's It's par for, it's it. It is what it is. It it's is. never
0: going to change. You can't control what other people think about. You could try to do the best you can and yep. evolve as a human being and, you know, let people like have their cell phones on while they're, you're filming. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. not going It's fine. All right, quick, some questions here, real quick, because I got to get your ass out because I was a little late today. It's fine. I got to get you out 10 till. I promised you. Uh, Trista K. Damiel, you know. Oh, my God. Yes. Can't wait to see Stephen. What is the most memorable thing that has happened in your life that has a huge impact on you? Quick question. We're going to go through these. <laughs> uh, the move to L.A. in 2010 and the and
2: the and the way that I felt about myself and my life when I made that move.
0: What made you want to become Green Arrow? Paycheck. Paycheck. You want to get paid as an actor? Well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. Of course. I, I didn't get I didn't, I didn't. It didn't get offered to me. How sweaty are your balls? In the uh, that's Michael Rosenbaum. His question. I mean, in that in that arrow suit, do they have a, it is a, soupy,
2: it is soupy in there? Do man. they put a
0: arrow fan? Mm-hmm. No, a fan, a
2: fan, a ball fan. That suit has one of two options. I'm either freezing because I'm out in the cold, and and the, and the leather is trapping in right? the cold, or I am sweating sweating my.
0: Does it but I bet those farts are, farts are trapped in there pretty no, good. No, it's really right? bad. You yeah. take that off 10 hours later like, "Oh my god, that was a fart I had at breakfast." <laughs> 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 what the fuck just happened? <laughs> uh, <laughs> LaLame, yeah, that was LaLame's question about the Green Arrow. Uh, when are you going to come out, Sarah Wolf, or when are you going to come out with a new fuck cancer campaign? It's time for a new one. Probably late late this year, or early next year. I want to be part of that, That's if fine. possible. Okay. Uh, let's see. Is Lex Luthor coming on Arrow? Why not? Okay, you heard that. Ask him if he's still Princess Julie 13. Ask him if he still has a Louisville Slugger I gave him when we were here at Wizard Con. Yeah, for sure. It's sitting in my closet in Vancouver. The Louisville Slugger? Yeah,
2: it's either a green one with my name on it or or another one that was just the regular sort of Louisville Slugger color but uh, but also have my name on it. Sil- Silver Girl Sin, I think he owns a vineyard. You own a vineyard? My buddy and I have a winery in Walla Walla, Washington, but we don't own a vineyard. Okay. We, we, we source and make and produce
0: wine, but we don't actually own any dirt. Uh, we talked about your method of me- uh, memorization. You read mm-hmm. the script three times, then you pretty much go for it. Favorite travel destination, uh, Amy in Sydney. And thanks for visiting Sydney, she said. It's going to be tough to top the
2: Maldives. That was, uh, that was heaven on earth. I like it. I really like St. Bart's, too. You ever
0: been to St. Bart's? No. It's fantastic. Really? It's really, really cool. I mean you're you're like a traveler, you're like you, you pretty much are doing everything with your life. I, my, with me, wife, my wife demands adventure. She's like, you have to you're you, gonna do the show, and when you're off, we're going.
2: Yeah. And also I I give her the only thing that I say right now is I'm not trying out new spots over the Christmas break because I need that recovery time. I need to rest. But uh when it comes to you know because we've just basically been around the world and she gets cart she gets to pick she gets carte blanche
0: i like that yeah. rob yeah how do you feel about this interview That's great right mm-hmm. so interesting i mean you i could talk to you for hours I mean, you we, live around the corner for me can you maybe sometime come back again down the road months months from now 100 percent. it's easy we could just talk shoot the shit. yeah what's going on it's 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 good for the show it's good for my show but that's, I think, being a nice person. I think I'm a pretty nice guy. But like, if you you never know who you're going to meet. Oh, you couldn't. You could not be. You couldn't be more right. And especially because when you
2: meet like super intelligent and highly successful people, they don't they don't give off the the sort of vibe that somebody um, who is like moderately successful but wants you to think they're super successful. Like those right. people. Those people are easy to spot. But somebody like Jeannie Bus, or like just the, anyone that I meet that's super duper high up mm-hmm. in either the entertainment industry or whatever their industry is, they're always incredibly soft spoken and understated and conscientious and intelligent and and so again, you never know who you're gonna meet.
0: Do you ever have you ever gotten in a fight on set with another actor or a director and just like yelling or really uncomfortable? It's a good
2: question. I I've butted heads with uh with directors with directors before um there was a director in our fourth season that I just I didn't appreciate he he would he would talk to me about a scene right and he'd be like I'd like you to try this and I'd say I'm not comfortable doing that for the following reasons and I get crazy about memorization on the show in terms of like this happened here and this happened in this season and this is in all this is wow. what happened all over here to the point where I'll have the script supervisor or other people come to me and be like, hey, we got a question for you. And I'll be like, yep. And because you remember. I remember. And he said, you know, I want you, I want you to try this. And I, and I, I gave a reasonable response as to why I was not going to do it. But he still went at you. And he just goes, he just goes, no, it wasn't like he goes, if he had stood up and said, hey, I'm the fucking director of this episode and I'm asking you for something and you're the actor and I want you to give it to me. And we'll look at it together. But it was like, he went sneaky instead. he goes, yeah, but just like, why don't you just do it anyway? And I was like, okay, no, you're, no, I'm, 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 I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm, don't don't, sneak, yeah, don't let's, you let's try do to it. fucking sneak don't me. Don't sneak. sneak me. Um, we've had, we've had, uh, the cast has got along pretty well. I mean, you, you're working with people. You're going to have, you're, you're going to have some, you're going to have, you're going to have family squabbles. Um, um, I'll tell you one one thing I really respected was this year. um, And and also, I I also understand that, you know, there are actors that are friends on the show, but there's a certain element of me that people are always going to think of me as management just a little bit because, you know, anybody – can die on the show except probably me <laughs> so probably you, know, you, you know what i mean and you know and i'm and they probably know that i i'll probably get the script a little bit before they do or or just have a different and unique relationship with the with the producers or the director that maybe they don't feel like they have i get that um, which is why i respected what happened so much rick gonzalez uh had a speech in episode nine this year at Oliver and Felicity's wedding reception. And he takes over for somebody who's giving a drunk speech. And it's a very thoughtful speech. And, you know, I need to be cognizant of the fact that uh, that not everyone has big and powerful and interesting and emotional speeches on every episode. You know, some people go through an episode, maybe they have two or three lines, right? And we were just, we were just saying the words. We weren't even blocking the scene. We were just saying the words. And during his first reading of the speech, I just, because I'm sort of joking around in character, I I made kind of a flippant remark. Don't remember what it is, right? But it was just meant to kind of lighten the mood. And it's the start of the day. And it's the first scene that we're doing. And didn't think anything of it. Came back to set and he took me aside and he said, can I speak with you please? And I said, yes. And he goes, um, you making a joke like that really interferes with my process. This scene and this moment in this episode is really important to me. And I didn't appreciate what you did. And I said, Thank you so much for saying that. I'm incredibly sorry. It will never happen again. I meant, I didn't mean anything by it. It was just a joke. It wasn't even a good one. I'm really sorry, man. But above all else, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about it. Shook hands and it was squashed and it was done. That's so, yeah. But- Because the thing that I'm aware of is that probably 95% of the time that people get pissed off at me. They say it right in front of people. I am oblivious to it. I have no idea. Because I I don't know what I've done. And maybe they feel intimidated and they don't want to talk to me about it. Or you say
0: something and you say stupid things. We all say stupid shit. Everybody
2: says stupid shit. And so most of the time that I offend somebody, I am completely in the dark about it. So the fact that he pulls me aside, it's squashed. My level of respect for him, which was
0: already high, jumps up even more. And uh, and then you go on about your day. Dude, this has been a really good time. Thanks Uh, thanks for allowing me to be inside of you, Steven. This has been a real treat. Uh, Come back anytime. Thanks, buddy. All right.